Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with today's episode of Scripture Uncovered. I'd like to talk with you today about words. Words. Language. And let me begin by telling you about our last teaching trip to Israel. It was in March, right before we knew about COVID-19. All the restrictions were not yet in place. But we flew from Los Angeles to New York on Delta Airlines, and then New York to Tel Aviv. We landed in Tel Aviv, we transferred up to the Sea of Galilee, and we got there in the evening right in time for dinner. And then, after that long, long 14-hour flight, we hit the sack. I woke up in the morning, early, and walked out to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, just a five-minute walk. And I stood on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, looking east toward the Golan Heights, across the lake. Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long, 8 miles wide, and looking directly to the other side, I saw the sun rising over the Golan Heights. The sky turning from almost black to gray, and then to a light blue, and ultimately to a bright blue. As morning arose, the life on the lake arose too. Birds were everywhere. The Sea of Galilee is on the migration route from the north down south into Africa for the birds. So there are more birds present around the Sea of Galilee during migration times than anywhere else in the world. It's a bird watcher's delight. And I heard the birds. I heard the birds' sounds. I saw the sun continuing to rise. What a glorious morning. The words I used just now were descriptive. They described going to LAX, flying to New York, flying to Tel Aviv, arriving at the Sea of Galilee, the sun coming up in the morning. Descriptive words. And if those words were handled well, they would create a picture for you of what is a picture of what we experienced or what I experienced there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, switch over for a moment. We're in a courtroom in San Diego, and you have been charged with a crime. And oh, it's been a difficult few months, but there you are at your trial. The jurors are in place, the judge is there, and the trial proceeds. A day, two days, three days, and eventually your attorney rests your case and the jury retires to the jury room to decide your fate. It takes several hours, but they come back out and the judge asks the jury, verdict please, and the leader of the jury stands up and he says, we find the defendant guilty. Well, that's not a descriptive use of language. That is a prescriptive use of language. That changes something. That use of language changes your reality in a profound way. 
you're taken off and handcuffed to jail where you're going to stay. Your reality has changed as a result of that verdict. Now, go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, tohu wabohu, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God's word, Let there be light, and there was light. God's word was creative. God's word was active. God's word resulted in a change of reality. And God saw that the light was good. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then God said, let there be an expanse between the water to separate the water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water above the expanse from the water below it. And so it was. And God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. God's word, again, was creative. Something became that hadn't been before as a result of God's word. And so it goes across the six days of creation that we read about in Genesis. God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. And God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, all according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. God's word creates. God's word transforms fundamentally reality. Well, we could go on all the way through the acts of creation. But now, let me turn over to John, the Gospel according to John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word that God spoke that transformed reality. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. That is, God's Word created all His Word. He spoke it into being. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him, John, all men might believe. Now he himself was not the light, 
He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural desire, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the Word, the Word that was with God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Word that became reality, the Word here in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he has been before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, I think, the most profound verses in all of Scripture. That creative word in Genesis chapter 1, not a word that describes, but a word that prescribes, a word that creates, a word that changes reality. That word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. That word was the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this in his epistle to the church at Philippi, Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who was the Word incarnate, the Word who became flesh and lived among us, who, writes Paul, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So God's word that we encountered for the first time in Genesis 1 verse 1, God's creative word that fundamentally changes reality, became flesh and lived among us, fully God and fully human. And that's what I'd like to explore a bit this morning. Fully God and fully human. We, you and I, are fully human. And to be fully human, we can't know everything. We can't know how things will turn out. Every single one of us, me included, have doubts, have fears, have questions about the nature of reality, about the nature of our own reality, about our relationships with one another in the world. If Jesus was fully human, he had to have such questions as well. You know, he couldn't be God in a human costume, knowing everything right from the start. He was born, conceived in Mary's womb, conceived in a virginal womb, and grew and was born like all the rest of us coming into the world, crying. He grew up as a child. He loved his mother and father, Mary and Joseph. I'm sure he had little friends, like my grandchildren have friends and yours too. They'd play together, they'd have arguments together, they'd have difficulties together, they'd laugh together, they had birthday parties and all the rest. He continued growing. We meet him at 12 years old, lost at the temple. We covered that in a previous podcast. I think it's a funny scene, but... We saw him all during that time. And then the blank period from 12 to 30 years old, that period when he lived in Nazareth, practicing his trade. Sometime during that period, his father Joseph died. Presumably, he disappears at that point in our story. What would that have been like? How would Jesus have felt at the death of his father Joseph? Well, I think like any of us would. My mother died when I was in my 20s. She was only 47 years old. I was a young Marine. I was off doing Marine Corps things. But it was a shattering moment. My father died when he was 84. I was much older then. That was difficult too. So Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He couldn't be fully human if he didn't. So I wonder, at what point in Jesus' life did he become aware of his own divinity? You know, there are apocryphal stories about uh, Jesus sitting as a little boy out, outside of the house and Mary doing dishes in, in, in the house and Jesus playing in the mud, making little mud birds, and then they would fly away. Well, that's fanciful, of course. But when did he know? When did he know precisely who he was? And it seems to me that if he is fully human, 
just like all of us, our identity was an unfolding process. You know, all these years, I'm still working out, you know, who am I? What am I? Where do I belong? And what am I supposed to do? We, we all go through that. We, we wouldn't be human if we didn't. So Jesus must have gone through it as well. Now, I know there are many people who will criticize me on that and say, no, he was fully human, but he was fully God. He knew his mission from the get-go. I don't think so. I think that diminishes his humanity if that were the case. How can he take our sin on himself? He had none of his own, fully human but without sin, but he had to know what it felt like to doubt, to be hurt, to feel empathy. When does he become fully cognizant, fully aware of his own divinity and of his mission? And I think as we study along through the Gospels in particular, we see his self-knowledge developing. And I think, we may have touched on this in an earlier podcast, but I think it, it really comes to him when he takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and he says to them, who do people say I am? Now he's asking them, but I think he's also validating his own self-understanding. Who do people say I am? Well, some say a prophet, some say this and that. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, in effect, that's correct. Then they go to the Mount of Transfiguration and the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, go with him up that mountain and there he is transfigured. He is metamorphosized. He doesn't just get shiny. It's like caterpillar to butterfly. And they see him in his full divinity. That's the epiphany. That's the moment when they know, Peter, James, and John, and when Jesus fully knows. And then they come off the mountain and they head for Jerusalem and the cross. What triggered all that? The death of John the Baptist. It's only after Jesus learns of John's murder that he goes over to the Golan Heights, spends the night in prayer with the Father, comes off the Golan, and they head up to Caesarea Philippi, Mount of Transfiguration, and Jerusalem and the cross. So I think we have, in this exploration of the Word, a real insight into who Jesus is and when he knew who he was and when he knew what he had to do. Words, language. You know, my PhD's in literature. Language is very important to me. Words are important to me. Words can be beautifully descriptive as poetry. But words can also transform. And we see in Scripture, in the beginning was the Word, 
the Word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. That transformative Word. And when Christ speaks to us, it can transform us as well. I've been thinking about this all weekend, and I'm glad to share it with you. So I'm going to sign off. I will see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye now.